Welcome to A Street in Lockdown. This podcast is an insight into the lives of people who live in and around one road and how the COVID-19 outbreak has affected them. I'm Jane Vickers and live in West Hove on the UK's south coast. Though neighbours, I'd never met most of the people taking part. Because of the rules around social distancing, the earlier conversations I had were virtual. Now that restrictions have eased, I've been able to meet people and find out what it's been like living in a street in lockdown. My name's Taryn. Um, I'm 60 next year and I live in St Leonard's Road. I moved to the area fairly recently. It was last September uh, 2019. I'd lived in Upper Beeding for quite a long time, 20 years. I had lived in Brighton previously, so I'd made the the move, um, bought a flat with a garden so that I could bring my my dog and so she could have a garden. And another reason that I wanted to move was to be a little bit nearer my mother, who's 92, And although she's in excellent health for her age, I just thought it it would be a lot easier to to be nearer her rather than doing the the trek from Upper Beeding back and forth um, to Hove. For you then, there's been an awful lot of change in the last 12 months. I mean, you've gone from living in Upper Beeding to moving to a a flat in Hove and... And then COVID, you know, that's been incredible, hasn't it? I think it's worth just explaining where we are. We're in your garden. You've got lovely decking out the back, very brightly coloured, sort of lovely kind of green table, green shed. Um, The decking goes around the side. Lots of plants and vegetables growing down the side of your house. We've probably come on to that because I'm sure that's a result of what we've all just been (laughs) through. Um, Just tell me a little bit then about this intense period that you've you've been through I mean you moved here you've come here for your mum just talk through what it's been like for you yeah so I moved and I was um full of great ideas of people coming to stay you know just people popping in and out all the time Uh, my mum spending some time in my garden and me spending time in her house all those all those things lots of plans and then suddenly COVID-19 struck um, and so it just meant all the people that were planning to come and spend some time with me in the summer uh, suddenly couldn't. And everything kind of took a bit of a, a backward step. And because I have asthma, I'd sort of made a decision that I was going to be very, very careful. And because of my mother's age, she's 92, um, we decided that we would, as much as possible, self-isolate. So it was just finding a different way of, of living um, and also working because I, I sort of still work as a, a nurse, so it's just finding new ways to to live my life. I'm a really sociable person. I have a lot of friends, and so that was really difficult living on my own and um, not being able to see friends, particularly for the first couple of months. I mean, I had situations where I'd hang out my front window and people would be in the front garden, kind of talking to me, sat on the wall, and that's that's all that we could do really. And it was just little sort of spates like that but people not being able to come into the house um, and me not being able to go out and do all the the usual things that I normally normally did yeah how did how did you cope with that I mean what was what how did what were your coping mechanisms um I'm a really strong person so mentally and emotionally um I have a lot lot of strength um and so I just decided this is this is what's happening um 
although I've been nursing for 40 years, I had never, ever seen anything like this virus. I've worked on infectious diseases wards, um, but I'd just never seen anything like this in this country. So it was just kind of building up a, an inner strength, really, and just trying to focus on how to make things as good as they could be. So for me, I sort of um, took up quite a few new hobbies. So you've already mentioned the garden, which is very green. I think I went a bit mad with green paint. <laughs> um, and I think perhaps I wouldn't have done all that if it hadn't been for COVID-19, because I'm always on the go, always busy, and suddenly I'd got this time on my hands. So I decided that I'd start growing some veg and just making the garden as pretty as possible, because I knew I'd be spending a lot of time in it. Um, and then other things that I did, I dusted off my keyboard, which had been under the bed and hadn't sort of come out since I'd moved and just got that back out again and started to really have an interest in sort of playing some songs. And yeah, that really... Your own songs? Your no, no, no. Just things like Beatles songs, a bit of classical stuff. Um, I've got a whole load of music, actually. So just doing things like that um, really helped. I was reading a lot and talking to friends on, you know, zoom and 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 on the phone as well mm. so it was just getting through really and at the beginning there was a lot of sunshine so just I treated it as a holiday for the first month I just thought right I'm just going to sort of sit in the garden and and really enjoy enjoy the garden and not worry about rushing about so much and you mentioned your work I mean you you work in the NHS tell us a little bit about how that's been um, for you because you've continued to work presumably yes yes so I wasn't furloughed um, but my work had to change because um, what I do is I support unpaid carers in the community so it could be um, a wife who's caring for a husband with dementia and everybody's focused on the person who's um, cared for but nobody's really kind of looking out for the carers so that's where we come in so we're a team of trained nurses and we will go and do home visits or um, we'll run a clinic from a GP surgery and just see carers. We'll, we'll spend quite a long time with them, you know, we could spend um, an hour and a half with them. And we'll just get to, we'll just do a really thorough assessment um, to know the things that they're sort of going through. Um, so that's what we would normally do, home visits and clinics. And suddenly we couldn't we couldn't do that. A because a lot of the people that we were seeing would be shielding anyway because of their medical conditions. Um, but secondly, because we're not a crisis team, um, it wasn't deemed necessary that we would be doing that. Secondly, a lot of our team were redeployed, so we went from a team of um, thirteen down to three of us. So um, our workload was, was increasing because we were still getting referrals, not as many, but we were still getting quite a few referrals. And we were just having to manage and, and prioritise, prioritise those referrals. So a lot of our team went to do the swabbing um, and some of them went back onto the wards because that's where, what the, where the need was. Uh, so, yes, our, our team went to a very skeleton team. So it suddenly became a lot of home working um, and a lot of phone calls to, to carers. And we might have been the first person that they'd spoken to through the entire lockdown. So they could be with someone with dementia who's not communicating very well. And then we would phone up as a professional and ask how they were doing and how they were coping with lockdown. And suddenly they would um, spill out everything. It, it was like very cathartic for them. And so 
a phone call that might normally take us 20 minutes was now taking an hour, an hour and a half because they wanted to talk about everything and just get some relief from you know, their, their burden because they were coping very much alone. Well, and what an important role that you have played in that, in that support. I mean, that's, that's a part of, um, I suppose, COVID that you the whole thing that we've been through that you haven't really heard you've heard about the front line and yeah. you, you've heard less about the the other kind of dimensions to the support that the nhs provide but also I don't know, social services and other other key workers it's interesting isn't it and yes. how important the, the role that you've you've played um what about your own support because I, I imagine that's quite draining actually you're on your own yes. <laughs> you know you're hearing all of this and then you've got your own stuff going on how emotionally did you find it all um I found it quite emotional and very draining so you do like an hour and a half um phone call and then I'd go and make a cup of tea and then come and sit in the garden and just for about 10 minutes kind of just chill and then write up my notes I wasn't going straight to writing the notes up after after the phone call um but also like you say it it did feel like a very valid job initially I felt a little bit bad that I couldn't go and work on the wards um but um I wasn't able to do that for for the reasons for the asthma so it was just nice knowing that I was actually doing something um quite beneficial and those carers were you know they were just so pleased that they had someone that they could um, talk to. And I probably made a lot more phone calls than normal because a lot of the carers come in their 90s and suddenly, you know, their family can't visit because of COVID. Um, and so perhaps you become a real kind of support mm. to that person. So if I had someone who was like 92 caring for his wife, um, normally we might just clock in with them like once once a month but I was finding myself phoning them weekly to check they were okay and making sure they referred to the community hubs that were going on as well where lots of volunteers were supporting and doing their shopping and collecting their prescriptions so just making sure they got that um, as a backup as well a contingency plan for them. I think one of the things that I'd never seen before you know I'd never I'd never experienced how the big machine of society almost adapted to supporting vulnerable people mm. you would hope that no one went fell through the cracks I mean I, I haven't seen any examples of that but just this incredible way that human beings connect mm. to sort of almost create a net yes. for other people it's, it's it's uplifting isn't it, it is uplifting. I mean it was it was um quite apparent in this road as well there were flyers coming through from neighbours saying if you're shielding or if you can't get to the shops phone this number and we'll come and support you um and that was incredibly reassuring actually um as well just to know that was there I never used it but just to know it, it was there for me but also for the rest of the street but also, I was just very impressed with some of the community hubs as an area that I particularly work in, in West Sussex. And they had over 100 volunteers coming forward just in a very small, tiny village. So that was amazing yeah. as well, just to, to see that. Really. It was very beneficial. Yeah, a lifeline. Yeah. And um, what about you and asthma? I mean, you mm. talked about your asthma. Have you been worried at all about coronavirus? I was really worried. I, I remember when, I just remember watching a, a programme and it's probably back in February and it was a doctor talking about COVID and it wasn't really here then but we could see it in, in other countries mm -hmm. and developing. And I remember her saying, 
we will lose NHS colleagues. And I remember my stomach sort of flipping over, thinking, gosh, this is really, really serious. And I felt some concerns because my GP in my old village, I knew very well I'd been there 20 years, and I suddenly had to move to a new GP who actually don't know me. And I found the whole process of this new GP quite quite a difficult um, process, really. I also felt worried that I might end up getting very ill and being on my own, that I might end up on a ventilator and that who would look after my mum and <laughs> so I suddenly had um all these all these thoughts um and I had a SATS machine from work so I, I remember I used to just take my oxygen every single day twice a day just to check that that was okay because there were these descriptions of people that were happy hypoxic so they thought they were okay they had no breathing problems but actually their oxygen saturations were were really going going down so I was really glad I had this machine because it was really reassuring to see that that was that was okay (laughs) and I had friends that would go and get my um, inhalers and that kind of thing who were who were really supportive but I must admit I mean I'm much more relaxed about it now Mm. but at the beginning um, I I did feel really worried and I could just see what was happening with Italy and when I saw that 20,000 people had died I thought gosh this can't happen here and they were warning us you know they were saying for goodness sake lock down and start thinking about it and then we've obviously had it probably worse than them the the amount of deaths that we've had just coming back to the whole asthma thing Mm. did you just stay in then did you almost like lock yourself in were you one of the people that were getting people doing your shopping and stuff like that yeah I I was I was doing click and collect um when I could but it was really hard to get a slot I was trying about four different supermarkets and they were all saying no slots for three weeks and I suddenly thought gosh this is you know this is horrible because I can't keep relying on on friends that was really difficult but like I say I have got friends who are really good and so I was getting the delivery to here once I could get a delivery and then friends were taking mum shopping up up to her so yeah probably for six weeks I was probably not going anywhere or doing anything I was going out late at night with the dog um, at about nine o'clock in the evening um, just when nobody was about and and having a walk around and there was a time when you couldn't really go very far in your car either so that wasn't particularly an option and I remember going down to Hove Seafront and it was just jammed with people and I thought I don't think I want to be walking about with all the all these people around so I started going other places like Goring which was a little bit quieter and Seaford kind of having to go out of the area once once we could so your 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 escape wasn't local we no. live in we you know one of the benefits of living in places <laughs> yeah. like this is that you've got the seafront on the doorstep yeah. it wasn't absolutely in, during it, this time yeah, yeah. no it, it was even walking along the the sort of road to the the seafront was really really busy not many cars but just loads of people and, and cyclists so yeah that yeah. was that was actually quite quite hard your mum how's how's that been with your mum tell us a little bit about that yes. obviously she's, she's 92 I think she's you said. 92 oh, brilliant. <laughs> and she's amazing as in she's very healthy she can still walk very well she doesn't have a stick um she's not on any medication apart from um calcium for her bones so she's pretty incredible she's also got a very positive mindset as well so at first she was sort of saying oh, well, we'll still be able to go out, won't we? And I was saying, no, not really, not for weeks. And at first, I don't think she quite 
understood the enormity of it and then she suddenly was watching the news thinking this really is so serious so she knew she had to buckle down and she's got a computer but she can't really use it very well unless I'm there and of course I wasn't there so I, I kind of felt for her because she didn't have many outlets really she's got a little dog as well which we 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 got her about seven years ago who's been an absolute godsend but the other thing was my brother lived in Brussels and I'd phoned him just before COVID and said, do you think there's any chance of you moving over to Hove? And he said, it'd be really hard. He said, I've got my job where I've been for 20 years. I've got my flat. It would be extremely difficult to do that. So I kind of thought that wasn't going to happen. And then I was talking to mum on the phone literally four or five days later and she said, oh, your brother's thinking about moving over. And I said, are you sure, Mum? Because I just spoke to him a few days ago. And she said, yeah, he is. So I phoned him the next morning and he said, yes, I've given my notice into my work. Wow. Can you find me a flat by Friday? <laughs> this was like a Sunday. <laughs> so um, I How said... Was this? was this before lockdown? This was literally just before we went into lockdown. And we were on tenterhooks all that week because we thought Boris Johnson was going to close the borders and we thought he might not actually get through. But he had to sort things out. He couldn't just leave the next day. He had stuff to sort out. And I also knew that the Eurostar, which is how he was getting across, was really diminishing. It had gone from like six um, trains a day down to one. So I was thinking, is he actually going to get over here? Anyway, he did. So I found him a flat. I've got a friend who's um, got a friend who got an Airbnb, which she obviously couldn't use because of COVID. So um, she agreed that Ashley, my brother, could move in into there. And it was just the Airbnb came up on the Friday that when the last person was leaving it and he could he could move in on that wow. Friday. It was all kind of meant. It was all meant to happen. <laughs> so he's now living in Hove, which has been fantastic because it's another person going to see mum so we take it in turns to go and sit in her garden every other day um so she's got company every day now so it's it's been marvelous for her it's that's, been fantastic that's a massive decision for your brother to within a week mm. to make a decision to leave, to actually leave the job i thought you were going to say that he brought his laptop over no. and decided to work from home here no i was i was really impressed with him um i just thought that's like you say it's an incredible thing to do he'd been in this very safe job for a very long time and you know he'd always felt very secure in the job and and he quite enjoyed it so it's been incredible so he's going to stay for a year and then he's going to review it so he's going to start job hunting probably in September and settle over here for a while so it's it's lovely how, how did he find the adjustment of coming over here then during and then going into a lockdown situation yeah I mean he went into lockdown but he also had to self-isolate for 14 days nobody told him to he didn't have any symptoms but he kind of came off the Eurostar and thought I, I, I better do this really because I don't know I might be asymptomatic so I will I will self-isolate so we didn't see him for, for two weeks He's adjusted really well. I mean, he likes Hove. I mean, he's been over to visit, obviously, a lot of times to see Mum and I. He misses Brussels, but he's he's kind of adapting. And I think, how can you not fall in love with Hove and mm. the sea anyway? And, you know, it's such, a, it's such an amazing kind of place to live. So, yeah, he's he seems to be enjoying it. He's going back to Brussels on Monday um, because he's got to sort out some more stuff. And that's his first opportunity since he's been over. So he's going for a week sort everything out and then he'll be he'll be back again 
So things have moved on, haven't they? I mean, uh, the, what you were talking about there about queuing and waiting to get mm. a slot with the supermarket delivery people yeah. and the shortages mm. and that intensity for those first mm. couple of months. I mean, it was... It kind of almost seems like a different world already, but we are now in a different kind of phase of things, aren't we? What do you make of how you've been? Have you just gone up and down, and where do you think we are now? I think we're in a better place. Um, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. The virus is still is still out there. I feel a bit safer now going into supermarket and have been doing so over the last couple of weeks. But I do go very quiet time, so I'll go at 8 in the evening or 7.30 in the morning, um, and I will wear a mask. So I'm sort of still taking precautions, um, still carrying hand gel, still washing my hands. But I, I do feel safer than I did this time four, four weeks ago. Definitely the supermarkets have got a, a different feel, and they, they don't seem to be running out of things like, like they did initially. I mean, one thing I couldn't get hold of, it wasn't toilet roll actually it was vinegar just vinegar for cleaning it was impossible mm. just to get hold of um things like that but i think i think we are in a better place now mm. definitely but i also don't want things to go back to normal too quickly because we haven't eradicated it mm. and we haven't we haven't got a vaccine we've got some promising things like dexamethasone and you know there's little clinical trials going on that sound um quite promising but we're, we're not there yet. Yeah. I think now is a, a really interesting period because we know it's still out there, but it, it reminds me a little bit of where we were in the build-up to lockdown. It's kind of that unknown. And for many people, they said lockdown was, was a relief because mm. and obviously I don't think anyone wants to go back to lockdown. No. But it, 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 it's almost this stirring sort of unknown something out there mm. and we don't quite know if it's going to rear up and mm. that's quite an uncertain sort of environment to, to be in, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, but I think people also have got a little bit of fatigue as well from from staying in and I think people are perhaps just taking smaller risks now. Yeah. And I mean, I know I have friends coming to the garden now still not in the house but people can't because I've got the the alleyway people can come up through the alleyway so I can feel more kind of sociable now but you're right I think people knew there was an absolute safety when there was lockdown and now people aren't so sure and of course there is the economy drive and so the government are pushing things because of the economy which of course we have to get back to a healthy economy but we can't we can't lose lots of lives in the in the process um, what about things reopening then? Have you grasped that with two hands and thought, great, that shop's open, I'm getting stuck in? How have you reacted to the hairdressers reopening, oh. pubs and restaurants reopening? <laughs> well, no, I mean, <laughs> you're pointing at your hair, but I mean, I don't know what it was like before. It's perfectly fine to me. <laughs> no, I mean, normally I do go to the hairdresser, get my highlights done, but um, I am just embracing <laughs> my roots <laughs> and my longer hair at the moment. I have no desire to go back to a hairdresser. I, I mean... I could go to a hairdresser, they might be wearing a face mask, but 40 people could have been in that hairdresser in that, in that day. So I don't feel like doing that. It, lockdown has made me realise that we don't need all these possessions, we don't need all these things that, that we have. And I think it makes you think differently about what you buy, what you need, 
and about the planet, of course. So I'd already made a decision about not buying clothes this year, any new clothes, and I haven't done that. And that's because of the planet. But I've, I actually haven't really missed going shopping. I'm more a person that really likes things like the theatre and beach walks and picnics, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not a massive pub person either anymore. The thing that I have really missed, I'm in a gospel choir um, in Brighton, and um, we used to meet every Thursday. There was 160 of us, and we'd have um, a sing-song. And it's it's incredibly therapeutic and kind of life-affirming, all these people singing together. It, it's wonderful. And we were aiming to, do, um, to sing at the Dome for Christmas. And, of course, choirs are one of the last things to go back, so we won't be doing that. So we've been doing our online choir but it's not been the same as, as physically being in the same room as everybody. So that's, that's been um, something that I've, I've missed incredibly. And I was just learning to Charleston, <laughs> Charleston dance. Um, so I did three weeks of that, and then that all, obviously all stopped as well. So mm. it was things like that that I kind of miss more than, than shopping, really. Yeah, and, and I suppose there's only so much that you can practice those moves in your your living room oh. you kind of especially if you're new to something but you know I mean I I get my motivation from other people so they asked us if we wanted to do online Charleston and I said I don't think I do it I just you know I need people around me to to do okay. things like that I have been engaging with the gospel on online um but that's been hard because we can hear our sort of musical director singing and the keyboard um our keyboard um extraordinary man as well playing his keyboard but they can't hear us so and we can't hear each other as the choir so it's not it's not been it's not been the same but we're hoping um, that we'll, we'll get back and our kind of concert will be next July, hopefully, at the Dome. So, oh, right. so okay. we're still aiming for that. So that's still motivating because we know it will happen. Yeah. I just don't think it will happen at Christmas. No, no, I can't no. see it. No. <laughs> what about the things that you've pondered? You mentioned the planet there and, and things like that. Mm. Have, are there some things, because we've, we've talked about what normal, normality and getting back to normal and all that kind of stuff. Are there some things that you really want to make sure that we hold on to through this and how do you think we can do that well some some of the things for me were just seeing more cyclists around and less cars and I just felt like that the sky was a bit clearer at night and I just thought well, this is actually amazing you know um, and people were saying that wildlife were coming out a little bit more and I thought isn't that lovely you know that's that's just such an incredible thing but I think now I'm seeing more cars back on the road less cyclists and the other thing that is is slightly worrying is because places aren't properly open they're not providing china cups and stuff so we've really gone back to plastic tastic again and uh, that's that's such a shame so things like that I I just find um, quite scary and another thing is the single-use masks that people are just throwing on the street, throwing in the sea. And I just, you know, I just thought that's just such a... It's a waste of resources and paper, and it's all going Mm. back into the poor old marine life, and it's what we need to avoid. I'm a big fan of David Attenborough. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had... Have you developed... um, Just change the subject a little Mm. bit. um, 
any kind of guilty pleasures over lockdown? Those things that perhaps you weren't doing, but actually, gosh, having all this time mm. has made me, you know, binge watching Netflix or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, are there some things that you've done, developed a liking for certain things, you know, cooking? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. I have done more cooking, definitely. I think I probably put on weight during lockdown because mm. I have been just eating yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, because when you get your click and collect, you kind of, Put, add more things on because you know you're not get, maybe not going back to, out to the shop so you do put more on there um, and then if it's there then yes yeah. I think probably eating more chocolate yeah. <laughs> and doing less exercise because yeah. you know gospel's a form of exercise and Charleston was and I was doing a, a lot of walking yeah. with the, the, the dog so yeah uh, all those kind of things have probably been a bit more more yeah. difficult but a lot of people are saying the same they're, they're yeah, eating absolutely. more in lockdown because oh, yeah, of, yeah. No, I think um, and yes probably watching a little bit more tv as well um it's, yeah yeah but the music for you seems to have been the thing that you've you know really nice thing do you think that you're has it has it reignited a passion for, in you it definitely has. Um, so, and it was really nice because my mum and my brother came and sat in the garden the other day. And because my mum, when I was very young, I think it was about seven, started me with piano lessons, and she's not heard me play um, for <laughs> probably about fifty years. And so the other day, I'd kind of practiced two pieces, Ave Maria and Feralise, and I played them to them both sat out here. And so that felt really nice actually. And Mum said, Oh that's lovely. So that was a nice that was a really nice thing to do. And I got my ukulele out as well. And I've got a friend who um, I did ukulele lessons with a long time ago. And we both said, while well, we're in lockdown, let's let's choose a piece that we can both play yeah. and then we'll play you know we can um practice that song together so that's been really good as well <laughs> is there anything else that you feel that you would like to share on your reflections of what lockdown has meant for you and where we're up to now um i think i, I say just the only thing is i think it does make you look at life a little bit differently you know when you see that the amount of clinicians that were kind of put their life at risk on the front line it made you really think about life and you know kind of how short it is and I had a very um, I've got a very good friend whose daughter um, was a doctor in London and she died age 26 from COVID-19 so that really kind of struck home for me yeah so um, she's a friend of mine and her daughter was um, just trained to be a doctor in London so she was just finishing, and uh, yeah, she's very sadly died um, after a, a stint in an accident and emergency. So that kind of really um, struck. I know that that struck home for me. So I think it's just about grabbing life, making the most of it. This virus might go. We might get future viruses. So we've just got to enjoy every second mm. as much as, as possible. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do is do something like go and help orphaned orangutans in Borneo or something like that. And it's making me think, just go and do it. Once COVID's finished, just go and do do a month somewhere. Well, I hope that you... Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Good luck with getting back with the choir. Yeah. I hope that goes well. Yeah. Good luck with the practising of your, you know, wide portfolio of songs, <laughs> which I'm sure are going to develop more wider. And... Um, Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It's been really, Thank really you for nice. The opportunity to be interviewed. It's been lovely. Thank yeah, you very it's really, much. It's really nice to talk to you and Thank to meet you. you. Thank you, Taryn. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to A Street in Lockdown. For more stories, go to astreetinlockdown.co.uk.